Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you're doing well today. I am welcoming back a guest I've had on before. He's a good buddy of mine. And if you go to the intensive this year, May 11th through the 13th, you'll get to meet him. And if you went last year, you'll know him because he's the guy that got blasted for not wearing sunblock. And uh, it is none other than Joshua Jenkins. Josh, how's it going, man? Well, it's going good. And I will say in my defense, I had read some uh, things online, as you can trust everything online, that said the reason we get sunburn is because of our heavy seed oil diet. And so I'd been off the seed oils and thought, well, now I won't get sunburned. Um, and I guess that's kind of a, a myth. So, <laughs> Well, we, we were coming up with nicknames last year. Tungay was really good about that. I mean, he so with Brandon, <laughs> it was Baywatch Brandon. Uh, stacking bodies, Brandon was the other one, and you need to be like seed oils, Joshua, or something like that. So we'll we'll come up. It's with over that. now. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's done. Uh, but anyways, the the sponsor of the month this this month is just me telling you about the intensive. So guys, follow the links in the show notes. Please try to come. We had close to fifty guys that came last year. Joshua and the the uh, the Hope Baptist crew came last year, and then this year they're going to be the speakers uh, as we talk about Christendom 2.0. Basically, taking the things that we talked about last year, some of the things about localism that Tungay laid out for us, and bringing it down to the nitty, nitty gritty details and what Joshua and their church is doing. It, it's not really public knowledge yet and a lot of this stuff, but they're trying to press that idea of localism and uh, really taking the next step of obedience to see the kingdom of God established in our midst. And they're doing that in a real practical way. And so we're going to learn from them and have a blast doing it. And so please consider coming. Uh, you can find out all the information on the uh, on the links in the show notes. So let's go ahead and pray. And then we're going to talk about a conference that they have coming up and talk about the intensive a little bit as well and have some fun along the way. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for blessing upon the conversation. I thank you for Joshua and uh, the Hope guys and all you're doing through the church. And it's just such a joy to learn from those guys. And I, I know we're going to just learn a lot of good stuff even right now as we talk to Joshua. Thank you. We ask for blessing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to spare everybody the details about your life. We'll, we'll just trust that people know a little bit about you. I know you're a great, great internet follow and all of that. But uh, why don't you go and tell us a little bit about the conference? Because this is, I think, year four or something like that. This is the bulk of the content today. I just want to hear about the conference, why people should come, and what it's going to be about. Yeah, so this will be our third year doing it. It's our uh, Christendom conference that our church puts on, Hope Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. And the theme this year is building households in the household of God. So the last two years, the first two years of our conference, we focused on uh, government issues, specifically with the overreach issues we've experienced the last couple of years and kind of overcoming uh, those things with building a new Christendom, so to speak. And so this year, we kind of want to actually take a step back more to a fundamental aspect of building the new Christendom, which is starting with the home in the church. Um, because, you know, I've talked and come across a number of younger guys the last couple of years who are excited and enthusiastic about this idea of a new Christendom and building a parallel economy and things like that. And then I find that there are 
and they'll admit many of them, uh, they don't know how to lead their home or their marriage isn't great, or they're not, they don't have no idea how to do family worship. And maybe the church they're in doesn't uh, help them or isn't teaching about those things. And so we can't really expect to have God give us more and more influence and authority in our society if we're first not really doing well the things in our in our own home in our own churches first and so this conference we want to kind of go back and start those foundations of what is a man man's roles women's roles what is family worship how can we do it churches uh bringing in families in the worship and things like that so i hope it's a good foundation for a lot of people with the view of this is for generations to come in, in building a stable society because the reason our society is shaking and crumbling and uh, uneasy is because the home is such a mess hmm. and is uneasy and so we want to go back to that foundation and kind of shore it up and uh, hopefully it's helpful to people yeah well a little plug here for the show a couple of weeks ago our church is going through family worship right now for one of our quarterly classes and a few weeks ago, I got permission from our elders to post a lecture that I did at our church on the foundations of family worship. So guys, after this conversation, if you want to go check that out, scroll down, I don't know, four or five, maybe six episodes, something like that. And you'll see a teaching that I did on that that may be helpful. Um, you know, as Baptist, what, what, what seemed to me is a recovery of postmillennialism and, and everything that's happened theologically the last four or five years when it comes to trends. And there's there are always this theological trends and and people get in those lanes of theological trends, run in, run in them for a while, either stay there or then shift onto the next trend or something like that. Uh, as Baptist, I think there really is a, a growing need to define household economy in a way that's uniquely different than Presbyterians, although there are some commonalities there. But when it comes to this whole concept of household, there are some uniquenesses that we have as, as Baptist. And we are trying to do the exact same thing that you're talking about here, the content of your of your show, or excuse me, the, the content of the conference is from the ground up. We want to see healthy households because I was having this conversation yesterday with a guy and you know this, you, you've read Gary North and all the reconstructionists, but you see this on a civic level that there is this constant war of fatherhood. Everybody wants to be the father of the family. And so everyone's trying to dismantle some aspect of family. So the government tries to dismantle the nuclear family. The nuclear family looks at the government and says, we don't need you in the way that you have grown. So wh why is this piece, as things are crumbling around, wh what is the this household principle that we see in the New Testament? And why is it important? And then let's just talk about for a minute, uniquenesses between what we're trying to do as a household within the, the context of the New Testament, as opposed to maybe what Presbyterians are, are seeing as the household right so underneath the issue of the the obvious issue of baptism is this covenant theology where in presbyterianism you have their belief that it's not just believers that are to be baptized but children of believers are part of the covenant um the out at least at least and some of them will say different things but at least the outward church covenant so to speak um and so we obviously disagree with that thing. We don't see anywhere in the Bible teaching us that uh, children of believers are to be baptized or are part of the covenant, but, but that they are to be evangelized, discipled, so that they may become uh, members of the church. So I think part of it, too, is 
And this interestingly comes from Presbyterians, but it's the idea of sphere sovereignty or, or different, different covenantal um, structures that God has made. He's made family, which is covenantal. He's made church, which is covenantal and uh, society, civil government. And so we understand like our children are born into our family covenant, so to speak, but that does not mean they're automatically part of our church covenant. And yet kind of the, the, um, uh, the straw man that gets thrown at us as well. We, we, we hate our children, you know, because uh, we denied them the means of grace. And that's not it at all. We want to build up a positive view of Baptists, discipling, um, uh, teaching and training their children how to be Christians, what it means to be a Christian, so that when the spirit works in their heart and they profess faith, then they come in. Um, and so, yeah, there's a covenant theology that undergirds some of that uh, outworking, which affects political theology, um, mm-hmm. political theory. But Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, the conference last year, for Jordan and I was from the beginning to the end riveting. It was so compelling. You guys, what God has assembled there, is such a great team of uh, thinkers, of families, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. So, I mean, if people are interested in going to the conference, okay, tell us, so how can they find out about it? And last year I was kind of blown away at how many people there, because I think there was like 220 people there or something like that last year. And it felt like there were a thousand. I mean, it was just awesome to see so many people there. So, I mean, where can people go? I mean, you got a website set up. Where, where are people going to find yeah. that out? Well, I think there was just like 150. Um, but yeah, like I said, it felt it felt great. It felt like a lot more. But 150 is a great crowd. Um, yeah, Christendom, christendomconference.com is where you can go now. Just christendomconference.com. We got the details on there. But yeah, the conference is April 1st. It's a Saturday. We'll start in the morning. You can get there at 8.15 if you want, and there's going to be coffee and a little light donut breakfast or something if you want. And the first session starts at 9, and we'll go till sometime in the afternoon. Uh, but yeah, and you're going to speak there. I don't know if we said that, but you're going to talk about manhood, and so that's going to be great. Um, and um, I don't know if your listeners know a guy named Josh Eaton, but he's a pastor in uh, Caney, Kansas, and okay. he's going to speak as well on family worship. And so we'll have other talks from Brandon and I and some good panel discussions. And so good deal. Christianconference.com. Awesome. So is McFall speaking Is Ian speaking as well, or either one of those guys? Not this year. Okay. Uh, not this year. Uh, just Brandon and I, you and Josh Eaton. Then we'll have our structured panel discussion on kind of the question. I, I didn't really do a great job on Presbyterian versus Baptist homes. Then a Q&A session. And then after the conference, this will be kind of exclusive. You have to pay $5 and you have to be one of the first to sign up on our sign-up sheet. But we'll have an after party at a local establishment. And um, if your listeners are familiar with the Majesty's Men, um, Riley Voth, who runs that, he will be hosting a Majesty's Men live podcast discussion at this event. So awesome! Um, it'll, it should be a great time. Heck yeah. Well, that's going to be great. Is that the same place it was last year? Yes, same place. And uh, the other thing, too, that is kind of an emphasis of our conference is a lot of times you go to a conference and there's just they have, of course, some singing in between the song or the the talks or whatever. It's just kind of this obligatory thing. Well, hey, we're we get we got to do a song. You know, it's what we do at a Christian conference. But 
ours is intentional that we want to sing psalms together and give the experience of congregational psalm singing um, to, to those who attend, because that's not something that a lot of people get on a regular basis. And so there'll be good psalm singing. If you haven't experienced that, I think it's one of the greatest things in the world. I'm a little biased maybe, but um, that will be a, a feature as well. It's, it is. It's good. It's a lot of fun and it's unique. We, we sing psalms every week, not in the same manner, not exclusively like you guys do, but it is an awesome thing to be there and to be singing and, and hear everybody singing. It's, it's a lot of fun. You guys are going to love it. If you get to come, please do. Okay. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Let's talk uh, intensive. This is uh year five for us doing this and each year there's been growth. So we, we've had more guys come and the quality of guys that have come is just awesome. Last year, I don't know if you remember, but the way it started off was with, um, oh man, John and Justin doing the self-defense training, talking about killing people. And it was kind of like all of our eyes were deer in the headlights. It, it was the best way in the world to start that trip, just because the intensity of John and Justin was great. And then it was, it, it was just, a, we're going to have them, we're going to have them do that some or something similar this year uh, as they did last year. But each year there's been a really neat progression and there's been some camaraderie that's built and it's just been so fun. Well, you guys got to come last year and Tungay was there and spoke and did a great job bringing out some some things about localism and just he has such a way of, of bringing people in and just speaking in a compelling manner. And I wanted to have you guys back because you, you do things so well um, when it comes to the practicals. Okay, now let's lay the planks and let's begin to build out what we're talking about here. So let's move from the theoretical to the practical. And I want you to um, come in and, and we're going to have you guys explain a lot of the stuff you've been talking about. Uh, but you, you've you been working together and I know that there's some things that you can't yet talk about, but talk about what's built out with the community or your church and, and how you guys are working together, uh, not just coming together on Sunday mornings, not just doing small groups, but you guys are actually doing things together, building businesses together, creating plans together about how to live out, uh, you know, seeing the kingdom of God established in front of you. And so let's just have a quick conversation about what God's doing with your church and how that it, it, as much or as little as you're comfortable talking about how that's playing out. Yeah. So we've been really blessed by God's grace that so many of the guys in our church have a post-millennial vision, or even if not that explicitly, they just have a long-term vision and, and a sense of the responsibility they have given to them by God to be a provider for their family and long-term for their family. And so a lot of the guys that started out with us just kind of recognizing a lot of the problems that we're presently in the, and increasingly facing in our society and in our economy and in the world, uh, uneasiness with wars and rumors of wars, so to speak. And we've just kind of recognized um, the nice society we've inherited and, and America has enjoyed in the West for so many years now, it's shaking. And it, uh, we can't just expect it to remain the way it is forever because anything that's ungodly or, does, or, doesn't, or is not founded on biblical principles definitionally will not last. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it's just been guys thinking about how can we um, practically um, find ways to have something for our grandchildren or our great grandchildren down the line, if and when, you know, real practical example is what happens when the US dollar, which is just 
skyrocketing in inflation, what happens when that finally hits the tipping point and now it's worth mm. nothing? Mm. We don't want to just try and figure it out when we get there. Maybe it's our grandkids that finally have to figure it out. I think it'll come sooner, but maybe it's our grandkids. Well, we want to let them, we want to have something for them to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Or what happens, we've, we've seen stuff with our uh, food supply chain issues and stocking supplies at grocery stores and a lot of problems in the farming industry. If you talk to farmers, cow farm, dairy farmers, stuff like that, there's a lot of problems and it's going to get worse um, if, if things keep going like they are. So we just said, well, let's take personal responsibility. And there's a host of other issues that anybody can point to. And... Um, and so guys have been um, just practically working out ways to, I guess, become, uh, I forget the word I'm looking for, but um, not become soft or easily destroyed when things are tough, but more self-sustaining, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so well, it's been, it's been awesome to see how those pieces have come together last year when we were there. Ian had provided the meal and I'm hoping he does that again this year, if he does or doesn't, but it, is, it was yep. Okay, so he's got all this going on. You know, it's interesting. We think about food supplies, plant supplies, and, you know, we've seen the chicken feed thing that's causing chickens to not lay eggs. Yeah. There are things that have happened genetically over the last 20 years, really from 60s when pesticides started being used all the way up to today. There can be a, you know, as post-millennialists, we have this optimism, but there's this short-term concern I think a lot of people have of the permanent change that's happening to things like our, our meat supply, the permanent change that's happening to how hard it is to get heirloom seeds. There's there's a shrinking number of heirloom seeds and how critical it's going to be moving forward to have some sort of local meat. We have people in our church now that are providing rabbits for 15 bucks. You can get a rabbit that's parsed out, bagged. We have chicken. Uh, we have uh, eggs everywhere galore right now with our church. We have uh, the possibility of, of meat, beef, that kind of thing. But being able to think long-term like that, man, I love that you guys are putting, you know, boots to the ground, trying to figure this stuff out. Because I think with each community, if that can be, you know, a, a thing that can be localized, what we can do is preserve and then, you know, uh, hopefully preserve and expand things like, you know, healthy animal lines, healthy meat, healthy seed lines, and even reestablish these things into the future where there's things that aren't injected with MRM. NRA vaccines and, uh, you know, seed life that only lasts one year and doesn't produce a very good, you know, uh, harvest of tomatoes or something like that. And uh, those things are, are, are really critical. And we've got to think, I think, very practically about um, things like assets and commodities and tradable goods and certain tradable goods. Um, so, okay, let, let's talk a little bit. This is just coming to my mind here about minimalism. And w w so when we think about the minimalism tra uh, um, trend that you know, from small houses to get rid of, get rid, getting rid of all your clothes and things like that, or subscription services. Uh, what is the value in having stuff? What is the value in having land or a big house or property to be able to, to, to have your children uh, that the other people would say, you're just hoarding, man. What's the value in the opposite of minimalism without being this idolatrous building, building bigger barns kind of guy? What's the value in that? Well, the value is that it's valuable <laughs> to have actual hard uh, assets and property. Um, there's a, there's there's things that are there's a there's a few small things to admire about minimalism, you know, in terms of decluttering and taking out taking out entertainment. 
um, or, you know, excessive entertainment in your life. Um, but the idea of just divulging yourself of property and possessions is not a virtue in and of itself. Um, and so if the more assets and property and things that you can have, and I say that, you know, not in a um, person who loves things or worldly possessions type of things, but the more that you can have, the more you have that you can pass down to your children. Because if all that you own or all the value to your name is just simply in a bank account and in dollars, then that is rapidly decreasing in value, especially by the time it gets to the next generation. Mm-hmm. But if you have assets, property, land, animals, um, even used cars, <laughs> um, those things are increasing in value um, or at least maintaining. And it's something hard you can pass down, something that's tangibly useful, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, you think about bank accounts and just the, not even the fact of inflation, but just the fact that it's all digital and online. And we have, you know, rumors about world war and Russia and stuff. All it takes is a good cyber attack and you don't have access to your, to everything that's valuable to you anymore. Mm, yeah. So the more actual things you can convert that money into, then the harder it is for you to, to be destroyed and wiped out. Yeah. And that's not a selfish thing. That's you caring for your family and not only holding up and caring for your family, but for your neighbors and those in your community around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's good stuff. I don't know if you saw recently, there was a post going around where Jackie Chan is going to give his $400 million to charities, but not to his son. Was that you that posted? Somebody posted that in, in our I circles. I posted, but I saw it. Yeah. I think it was yeah. Eric Kahn. Maybe it was Eric Kahn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the tragedy of that, but also, you know, you think about what that $400 million to do, I'm sure that he's got sort of, or some sort of, you know, material investments that he's got that could go to yeah. his son and then just to pass that off. And, and Christians want to do the exact opposite. You know, we want, we don't want to build to hoard. There's a big difference. And I've encouraged people. It's like, Hey, building bigger barns for yourself to kick back and look at them and think, look what I've, I've built and accomplished is a terrible thing, but to build bigger barns, and know, know the answer of who shall these be. And to be able to know the answer, my children's, my neighbors, my friends, the generations, that's who they will be. That's a very good thing. That's not, that that is in no way a, an evil thing. But the evil part of it is to build something bigger, to accumulate and say, this is for me. Right. I think of the parable of the tenants that Jesus gave in the gospels, where, you know, he gave, or uh, not the tenants, but the talents, where Jesus or the master in the, in the parable gave, uh, you know, this amount of talents to this one, this to this one. And, and, um, you know, two of the guys went out and they invested or used the talents God gave them to produce a profit. The one guy basically put it in the bank account and sat on it. He buried it in the ground. And that was the guy that the master is angry with because yeah, he had the same amount to return to him but the, that wasn't what the master wanted. He wanted him to use it for good mm-hmm. to, to make a profit off of it. In other words, to produce things, which ultimately would be not just for him, but for others. Yeah. Guys, this is a lot of fun. Those conversations are really helpful and they, they get 
you know, things going in your brain that other conversations may, this just gets the juices flowing. It gets you thinking about the possibilities of the future. And I, I get excited about it. It's one of the reasons I'm excited to, to learn and sit under the teaching and preaching of those that are going to be at your conference. And one of the reasons I want you to come to the intensive is because Joshua and Brandon, is Brandon going to be able to come? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So you'll hear from Joshua, Brandon, and, and whoever else in their team that, that's going to be there. And it should be there and Ian should be there too. So there's going to be a lot of good things for you to think, think through and be challenged about and really practical applications to take home. And I really would love for you to come uh, check out the conference, check out the intensive and try to sign up for both if you can. Uh, Joshua, this has been a great conversation, man. It's always fun to catch up and uh, for, for more, I know you're on Gab, but I think you're more on Twitter. Where can people find more about you and follow the stuff that you got going on? Yeah, I forgot my Twitter name. But I think it's J underscore Jenkins 15. I got a different handle there. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's at J underscore Jenkins 15. Gab. And uh, that's pretty much it. So, oh, also a uh, little shameless plug, I guess, if that's all right. Um, our mutual friend, Brandon Lansdowne, he's a guy here locally as well, a pastor of another church in town. We've been doing a podcast together this past yeah. year, the Absolute Unit Podcasts hosted by the majesty's men. So you can find that anywhere. We just talk about physical fitness and strength from a biblical worldview and try to give practical advice. And uh, he's a great guy. And so it's been great to do that with him. And that's awesome. And I will give a plug for that also, guys. It's a great show. And it's been a part of the inspiration, me getting into shape. I've got, I'm the strongest I've ever been in my life right now. And I've had a blast doing that. We've got a group of about 15 guys at the church that are building up to do the Murph in on Memorial Day. And I, I'm trying to do it in under an hour with a weighted vest on. So I'm going to hopefully get that done. But uh, the only, the only thing I'm concerned about is well, with the weighted vest running on my knees and the possibility of doing a hundred pull-ups with the weighted vest would be difficult, but, uh, but yeah, that that's awesome. So guys, check that out. Absolute unit podcast. It's great. I'll put those links in the show notes and uh, Joshua. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you having me. Always good to talk to you, man.